119 is on page 437 of your pew Bibles. I'm going to read verses 17 to 32. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight, they are my counsellors. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. The second reading can be found on page 835. And I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 to 16. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were, we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same thing that things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles 
so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Right. We're reading through uh, Psalm 119 in, in Morning Church, and let me say, if you are weary, if you are struggling in your faith, if you're struggling to read the Bible, uh, just spend some time reading Psalm 119. It is a, a, a wonderful uh, reflection on different perspectives on the Word of God. Now, I, I love your law. I meditate on, on your Word and open my eyes and I see beautiful things in your Word, Lord. So let me pray. We're in uh, 1 Thessalonians again, so keep your Bibles open at page uh, 835, and I will pray for us. Lord, I do pray that you would open our eyes, that we might see wonderful truths in your word this morning. I ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, who are, who are the people that you know who are best at sharing their faith? Who are the people that you know who are best at sharing their faith about Jesus? And what makes them so good in sharing their faith? I think of a a guy I know who, it doesn't matter what he's doing, he always seems to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Uh, Whether he's in his running group, whether he's going to the gym, whether he's having his hair cut, he always seems to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And it's almost like he's so bold and so courageous. Jesus is just on his lips all the time. There's another lady I know, her name's Rebecca, and she's totally opposite to this guy. She is, she's quiet, uh, she's completely unassuming, but she's this great woman of, of integrity. You know, what you see is what you get. And her, her life just oozes grace. When she speaks, it's almost like God is on her lips every word. She keeps having phrases like, oh, my God has been so good to me. God is so kind to us, isn't he? And as she talks just naturally about God, she has these opportunities to share her faith. You've got this one guy who is quite bold and quite courageous, this other lady who's so unassuming, but she just has these amazing opportunities to talk about Jesus. This year at Church by the Bridge is our our year of reaching those that we know. That's our goal for the year, reaching those that we know. And we've been asking you and urging you to think of just three people, three people that you know and, and love who do not yet know Jesus, and to pray and to take opportunity to share your faith with them. I don't know how you're going with that. But let me ask you, what would make you a great evangelist for those people? What would help you in sharing your faith with those people? See, what you don't need to hear this morning is is a sermon on on techniques of evangelism. What, What you don't need to hear is to be guilted into the fact that you're not sharing your faith. What you need to hear from 1 Thessalonians this morning is is that that God is more interested in in the character of the messenger 
and the character of us as people than he is about techniques and strategies and systems for sharing our faith. And that's why 1 Thessalonians 2 is so refreshing. Uh, 1 Thessalonians is one of my favorite letters. Uh, Last week we saw the, the model church, remember? The model church is people who belong to God, people who are working for God and people who are witnessing to others. Belonging to God, working for God, witnessing to others. It's a model letter because the Apostle Paul was in Thessalonica for just three weeks. For just three Sabbath days, he he met with the Jews, he reasoned with them, and he was driven out, and he left behind him this little church. He was this amazing evangelist. So what made Paul a great evangelist? I want to give you five character traits that will help you and me in sharing our faith. Here's the first one, boldness or courage. That's what he says in in chapter 2, verse 2. He said, we previously suffered and we've been insulted in Philippi. He had, he'd been beaten, he'd been imprisoned, he'd been insulted in Philippi. Uh, But he left Philippi and he walked 160 kilometers to Thessalonica and verse 2, as you know, with the help of our God, we, we dared to tell you his gospel. Literally, we were courageous in telling you God's gospel in spite of the strong opposition. Uh, that word courageous or, or, or dared, it's not a brash word. You know, there's people who are, who are bold in evangelism, but they're, they're just a bit brash. They just talk at you. You feel like they're just trying to just tell you the truth but not actually connect with you as an individual. That's not the word boldness. The word dared there is kind of a, as we went into Thessalonica, as we we saw the people, we had compassion on you and we were not ashamed to talk about Jesus. That's the kind of courage. We knew that we might suffer. We knew that we might face opposition, but but we were still bold and we were still courageous because we just loved Jesus and we loved you. In our evangelism, in our sharing our faith, we can't, we can't avoid confrontation. We don't get upset if people don't like us or like what we say. We're just courageous in talking about Jesus. H- how did Paul do it? He tells you in verse 2. Look at that phrase, with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel. It's the same phrase that comes back in Joshua, being strong in the Lord. With, with the Lord's strength, empowered by the Spirit, the Apostle Paul was courageous in going to Thessalonica and talking about Jesus. Now, I find that a huge encouragement. Because there are people I talk to about Jesus where I know they're not going to like me. There are places you go to that are so so pagan, that the thought of actually talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it fills you with this fear. But what Paul is saying is that I just go into those places, I do a quick prayer, Lord, help me to be, be bold, help me to be courageous, and he just talks about Jesus. I think of my friend who's in, working in Thailand at the moment. He's had his house burned down three times. He's had his life threatened. 
and he keeps talking about Jesus. How does he do that? With the help of his God. That just quick prayer, Lord, help me today to be courageous for Jesus. I want to encourage you, friends, please don't avoid places where you know people won't like the message. Please don't avoid friendships where people won't like the message. Just be bold and be courageous. I reckon it would be wonderful if we as a church were bold enough to go to places where we knew we would face opposition. Can you imagine going into King's Cross and talking about Jesus, going to the gay nightclubs and talking about Jesus, going to uh, Muslim areas and boldly talking about Jesus? That would be wonderful. How are we going to do that? With a boldness that comes from the help of our God. That's the first characteristic, courage or boldness. Here's the second one, integrity. Paul was a man of integrity. His motives were pure. His message was pure. People respected him because what you saw was what you got. Look what he says in verse 3. The appeal we make, it doesn't spring from error or an impure motive. We're not trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our heart. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Paul is saying there, as I went into Thessalonica, I, I just taught God's truth. No error, no untruths. I was so convicted that I had the word of God. This is the truth, the gospel truth. I didn't need to, to water it down to make it more palatable. You ever tempted to do that when you're sharing your faith? When you're talking to somebody and, and you know that they won't like something in the scriptures, and so you just avoid that part of the scriptures. Uh, did God really say that, that Jesus is, is the only way to God? Yes, he did. Did God really say that if you don't believe in Jesus, that, that you will not be in heaven? Yes, he did. And we should learn to have integrity there. No error in our teaching, but no impurity in our motives. No impure motives, and he's not trying to trick people. See, most of the preachers in, in Paul's day were often in it for personal gain. They made their living out of preaching or evangelism. But that's not Paul. He doesn't want their money. He doesn't want their popularity. He just wants their heart. He wants them to love Jesus. I find verse 6 so refreshing. He says, we were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. He says, I really don't care what you think about me. You see, when you're sharing your faith, It is tempting to be popular, isn't it? It's very tempting to want people to like you. Or in a church, you know, it's really tempting to, to want to be seen as the great evangelist. Look, I've brought all these people to faith. Look, I've got these four people that seem to Christianity. And you want people to say, oh, good on you, well done you. And Paul is saying, I'm not in it. I'm not in it for, for the praise of men. 
If Paul's concern was his power or his, his popularity or his success, then he hadn't turned from the idol of me and pride, had he? But Paul is just saying, God's my witness. I just want people to know Jesus. No error, no impure motives. He just wanted people to know Jesus. Here's the third word. A love for people. Paul had a deep love for the people he was trying to reach. Try and remember this phrase. Paul was not a, a burden bearer. Sorry, Paul was a burden bearer, not a burden maker. Paul was a burden bearer, not a burden maker. He bared other people's burden rather than laying a burden on them. I had verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians 2 read at my ordination. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you become so dear to us. What's he saying there in verse 8? He's saying that Paul, I'm just not, I'm not about stuffing the gospel down people's throats. I'm not about treating you as a project that needs to be won. I actually love you. I actually care for you. You're, you're dear to me. And because they're dear to him, what does Paul do? He does two things. He, he shares the gospel. He articulates the gospel. But also, verse 8, he shares his, his life. He shares the gospel and he shares his life. Because the two go hand in hand. And you can imagine the Apostle Paul and he just opens up his whole life to people. My, my house is an open house. This is how I spend my time. This is how I spend my money. Come and walk alongside me. Come and know me. This is who I am. I remember before I became a Christian, there was a, a couple in Oxford called David and Claire. They did this with me. Uh, they invited me to their house. They shared meals with me. They shared their family with me. They, they modeled with me how you parent as a Christian. They invited me on their holidays with them. There was nothing that was off limits. And I have to say that seeing their lives, that was as powerful as actually hearing the gospel. How did Paul love people? He tells you in verse 7, we were gentle among you like a mother came for her little children. Have you ever seen a mother with her child? There's that, that tender compassion, but there's also that, that just hard work and commitment. You know, if they need you, you're there. If they're crying, you're there. And Paul is saying, I'm here for you. I love you. He's there in verse, verse 11, like a father dealing with a child. He encourages them. He comforts them. He urges them. He's spurring them on. You get the picture of Paul just sharing his whole life with these people. And, and I wonder how many of you would mention the influence of a Christian friend in your testimony. If you think back to when you became a Christian, how many of you would mention that there was somebody who actually shared their life with you and, and model what it really meant to live for Jesus. And if you're going to share your faith with other people, you need to do both those things. Share the gospel, but share your life because you love people. And here's my observation. 
I think in Sydney we are, we're too private. We're very private. We don't allow people into our lives. We, we don't say to people, just, just pop around for dinner anytime you want. My house might be in a complete chaos. The kids might be running around and, and causing chaos. Uh, our, our house might not be tidy, but that's okay. This is just us. And we want you to live with us and share our life with you. And as we do that, you're going to see Jesus shine through us. Verse 8, we loved you enough to share the gospel and to share our life. Now think about those three friends that you're, you're trying to witness to. Are you sharing the gospel? And are you sharing your life? I think sometimes I find it easier to share my life with people than I do to share the gospel. And with other friendships, I'm much better sharing the gospel but not sharing my life. And Paul says, no, the two come together. And if you're going to do that, friends, Paul is very realistic. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be costly because friendships and loving people like that are demanding. Look at verse verse, um, 9. He says, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. That was Paul. He was a preacher by day. He was a tent maker by night because he just wanted to, uh, to have the freedom to share his life and to share the gospel. Did you know that today, on average, it takes five years from when people first hear the gospel to when they become Christians? Five years of just sharing your life and talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel with them. Gone are the days of the big Billy Graham rallies where you put in a big event and people flock to a stadium and there's mass conversions. It's relational. It's that long, show, slow, sharing your life, sharing the gospel. Boldness, integrity, a love for people. Here's the fourth one. Holiness. Paul's life actually matched up to the God that he claimed to follow. Paul's behavior matched his belief. He lived out his faith, if you want. And the Thessalonians saw that. He didn't fake it with people. Verse 10, you are witnesses. And so is God. God sees it all of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. The word blameless means that he was beyond accusation. No, no one could point the finger at him and say, that Apostle Paul, oh, he's good at talking the talk, but his life doesn't match up. To say that you know that I was holy, I was righteous, I was blameless, I was beyond accusation, this is a man of, of purity and sanctity. And as you look at him, he's saying, wow, his behavior matches his belief. Now that's powerful in evangelism. When people see the gospel transforming your life, so you're living a holy life. Remember what I said last week? There are really five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and your life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and your life. 
And most people don't read the first four Gospels, but they do read your life. And you need to make sure, my friends, that, that your life is one of purity and holiness and, and righteousness, that the Spirit of God is at work in you, transforming you, making you more like your Savior, because that will speak volumes to people when you start to live out your faith. And I look back on people that I'm trying to win for Christ. I often grieve I grieve at the damage that I have done when my life did not match up to what I claim to believe in. Here's my fifth word for you. And the most important word tonight, this morning. So humility. Sharing your faith. You've got to be a man or woman of boldness, a man or woman of integrity, a man or woman who loves people deeply and cares for them and shares your life with them, uh, a man or woman of holiness. But lastly, this, this humble confidence in a great God. A humble confidence in a great God. What does Paul say in verse 4? He says, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Examined by God, found to be the real deal, approved by God to be entrusted with his gospel. It is God's gospel. It's not my gospel. It's not your gospel. It's the most powerful message in the world, and yet God has entrusted that to you or I. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about that, that God has chosen sinful people like you and I to entrust with a life-changing message? So how does Paul remain so humble? And the answer is down in verse 13. Because he thanks God continually because when the Thessalonians received the word of God, which they heard from Paul, they accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. And as you see how liberating that is, that the Paul didn't just speak his own words. He just teaches the word of God. And if people accept the word of God, it's because the spirit of God is at work in them. Paul is not there to try and twist people's arm. He's not there trying to make the most eloquent, persuasive, theological arguments as to why to believe. He just preaches the gospel and he prays and he leaves God to do the work. If they accept it as the word of God, that's because the Spirit of God has convicted them. I find this totally liberating. That my confidence is not in me, it's not in, in, in my eloquence, it's not in my skills, it is in God to, to, to save souls, and He might just use me to do that. And if you've got this humility, it shows itself in terms of your attitudes. So He says in verse 4. We're not trying to please men, but God. We're not people pleasers, we're God pleasers, and God tests our hearts. Ever heard the phrase, make sure you're playing to an audience of one? Make sure you're, you're, you're playing to the audience of one. So as you're witnessing, make sure that you're not looking for the pat on the back from human beings. As you're, as you're living and sharing your life, make sure that you don't want other people to notice. God knows. You want his approval, not just the approval of people. It is tempting, isn't it? 
It's tempting when you get that friend to come to church that you want everyone to say, oh, good on you, well done you. But we should be thinking, thank you, God, that you've worked in this heart of this person to be in the church this morning. I find this liberating because no one might notice all the conversations that you're having, but God knows those things. No one might even know that you have been witnessing and invited that person to church 20 times now, but, but God knows that. And this humility, this confidence, it just it strips you of your pride. I, I find 1 Thessalonians 2 so refreshing. When I think about the three people that I'm praying for, it's not down to my techniques. It's down to my character. I've got to be courageous. I've got to love these people well and live my life among them. I've got to be a man of integrity. I've got to be a man of holiness whose life matches up to the gospel I'm preaching. But most importantly, I've got to be a man of humility who is confident that God will do his work and he might even use a sinner like me to do it. So friends, through your own personality, through your own style, in your own way, I want to encourage you to be little evangelists. It's not just my job as a pastor. It's all of your jobs. If you're here this morning believing in Jesus, he's, he has entrusted you with the gospel. He's entrusted you with it. And I'm going to pray now that we get out there and we live it and we share it. And God might just, might just choose to save souls through us. And if he does, let's make sure we give the glory back to him. Let me pray. Father, we commit to you now these three people that we are all thinking about and all longing to see come to Christ. Father, help us to love these people enough to, to share the gospel with them and to share our lives with them. Father, please help us to live holy lives among them. Help us not to be people pleasers. Help us to be people of integrity. And Father, we acknowledge there are times where we struggle and the suffering and the opposition is too hard. So please, Lord, help us to cry out to you. And with your help, May we dare to tell people this good news. And we ask it for Jesus' sake.